From the thrilling pages of the DC comic, a myth is forged. A hero takes flight. And welcome to this episode zero of Superman Lives. I am your host, Chris Moe. Some of you listening have followed me for some time through the years, have listened to my other podcasts, followed me on YouTube, and are aware that this is not the first volume, we'll use that term, first volume of Superman Lives. So to those of you returning, I say welcome. It's great to have you. Uh, to those who are just discovering this show and discovering me, I thank you very much for being here. And we, I thank all of you for being here. Um, in this this episode zero, really is just to tell you briefly about myself, um, how I got into um, really comic books, but specifically Superman, how that developed. And just to give you an idea in doing that, uh, give you an idea of the vision of the show. So um, I am currently living in Lafayette, Louisiana, which is uh, in the heart of Cajun country here in South Louisiana. And I am a college writing teacher. I teach both online and in person in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the state capital. And um, I have a wife, Allie. We've been married now for almost 19 years. It'll be in uh, the fall. I'm sorry, in the, win the, the winter, January of 2023. And we have two daughters. Uh, Ava and Camille, both of them are uh, now in high school. And um, I grew up in the small town of Abbeville, Louisiana, which is about 30 or so minutes south of where I live today. And I mention that because that was where my love for comic books really developed. So um, growing up, you know, I was born in 1976. And so as many of you know, um, that was a very magical time. And you look at 76 and then going forward. And so just as you get into the 80s and then the 90s, that was a rich time for science fiction, for uh, really genre storytelling. And whether that was adventure, action, science fiction, sci sci-fi, horror, um, comic books, animation, it's such a wonderful time. And I don't know, honestly, that there's been any time since or before that had that richness in so many different media. And certainly we could go back to the early 20th century and talk about the birth of the comic book medium and talk about pulps before that and how that richness really developed and how that industry exploded and then receded and then returned in the 60s. But, but I think cross- pollination, going into these other media, this was a wonderful time. Uh, it was a time where you could walk into really anywhere and you would not only find, like you do today, licensed 
merchandise with Superman, Batman, Iron Man, etc. You name it, Spider-Man. But you would also find comic books. And I think that's something that today certainly we don't see, sadly. And many people today are not even aware that was ever something that was so omnipresent. But but I remember those times. That's when I grew up. Uh, some of you who are older probably remember that being even more omnipresent, that you could really walk into even more places. A gas station, I remember that distinctly, going into convenience stores, gas stations, drug stores, and finding comic books there. I can remember going into video stores back in the day, uh, growing up in the in the mid-80s and then early 90s, and finding comics anywhere, finding them at... Um, Sometimes at Walmart, bagged, you know, bags of a variety pack, uh, finding them just about anywhere you could imagine. If you looked hard enough, you might find a comic book. Those were tremendous times. And it was in that time that I grew up. Uh, so I remember one of my most distinct memories as a small boy was probably, I have to think, given the age and the release date of this film, was watching Superman the movie. And probably watching it at home, right? So we either rented or probably maybe owned by this point our first VCR. And I can remember distinctly thinking that what I was seeing on the, on the television as a kid was the news. Because of the way it was shot, and I, and I just remember this very distinctly being this little boy in the living room, and there on the TV is what I thought was the news. And it was this scene of a helicopter and a woman hanging from a building, and then there was Superman. And so in my young mind, the way, of course, years later, uh, that this is a compliment to the late, great Richard Donner and Christopher Reeve and what they did with uh, verisimilitude and this idea that we're going to portray this honestly and truthfully as if it were real and take the character seriously and his world seriously. And I, and I, as a kid, I thought, oh, this is real. Superman's real. And um, sadly learned in the following years, not true. But that never took away the magic of that movie for me. Um, I grew up, though, with a brother who was seven years older. And, you know, you always kind of want to do whatever your older sibling does, even if you fight a lot especially if they're significantly older, seven years older, was a pretty big distance. And so what he did I thought was cool, mysterious. I wanted to be like him. Uh, one of the things he was really into other than movies and and superhero films and Star Wars and, of course, Star Trek and all of these wonderful things that were that were very much alive at the time, and in Star Trek's case, re being reborn and Star Wars just being born. But um, one of the wonderful things was comic books. And he had in his in his bedroom, um, since he was older, he we we separated. He had his own room, and in his room, he had these um, these shelves that had doors that would slide across and and close them off. And in there, he kept his comic books stacked. And I can remember going in his room sometimes, not supposed to be there, but I would go in there and I'd see them. And he would you know he'd never let me look at the comics, touch them, breathe in the same atmosphere they shared. Uh, with me, he never wanted me to have that interaction. But my mother, who was a school teacher for many years, um, and who loved reading and would read to us from a very early age, would wait until he was at school, or wait until he was. Uh, eventually, he went into the military, and this is when I was just starting to read, probably. Um, that she would uh, let me hold. She would hold the comics, and then I would be able to read them, and we'd read them together. And then eventually, she would allow me to read them on my own, as long as I was careful with them. And uh, and so that was how I. 
I was introduced to comics. My brother primarily read DC, and we're talking, you know, Bronze Age, right? We're talking about early 80s, um, kind of the heyday, uh, or, or certainly the waning, the last days of DC Comics in, in the Bronze Age before Crisis on Infinite Earths. And so, uh, you know, in that pre-crisis age, by a few years, uh, the multiverse was something very prominent in just about every comic book he had. So he, he was collecting Superman in action, a few Batman and Detective here and there. No, no, not really any other side characters, but tons of Justice League of America um, and Titans. He loved the Teen Titans. And he also had um, the All-Star Squadron. And uh, so occasionally what would happen is that he would have these wonderful crossovers. And I remember, of course, now, I didn't know at the time, but but in the years since, um, I've gone back and learned and bought my own copies of the one crossover that really, I think, just sucked me in and, and made me an early DC Comics fan before I really understood a whole lot about it at all. And that was The Crisis on Earth Prime. And those of you that are familiar with it, I don't have to explain it, but those that don't, it was one of these wonderful crossovers that we had before Crisis where characters from Earth 1, right, the main DC universe at the time, and then Earth 2, which was the Golden Age, uh, an approximation of the Golden Age. And then Earth 3 was involved, the, the evil alternate versions of the Justice League there on Earth 3, the crime syndicate. And then, of course, you had uh, characters from Earth X, Earth 10 in later years, the Freedom Fighters. And um, and so you had this wonderful situation where even on the cover, you would have multiple Supermen pictured. You might have Batman's head, you know, and they put those small heads around the kind of framing the, the center image, which is always some kind of wonderful fight scene or battle or what have you. But then you would also have, well, here's Batman. Where's the other Batman? Oh, well, here's Robin, but he's older. Why, you know, and then you, so in years later, I would, of course, find out what happened. But um, those books amazed me because even though I knew Marvel and I, I, I knew Marvel from the, the, uh, TV show, the live action, as well as the old 60s cartoons. Uh, I knew Spider-Man and his amazing friends, which was hitting around that time. I had, you know, Secret Wars action figures. My brother had Secret Wars, the series. So I knew Spider-Man, Wolverine, Captain America. I knew those characters, but the idea that you would look on a cover of a comic book with Superman, and there's more than one. There's more than one version of Superman. Here's an older version. Here's the the real version, so-called, right? The main DC version. Oh, look, here's an evil version. And that just immediately drew me in. I think it was the idea that these characters, to my young mind, and I still believe this today, these characters are so rich, they're so amazing, that you can't contain one, contain them in one version. So there's multiple versions. And, you know, younger people today hearing this might go, oh, that's just the multiverse. You know, we know that now because of Spider-Verse and, and the MCU. Yes, yes. All of that um, is owing a great debt to what DC Comics did in the, in the Silver Age when they introduced the multiverse to comics. They didn't create it. it it's a, you know, it's, it's a metaphysical, well, not metaphysical, I guess, but a, a kind of a uh, idea of, of theoretical physics that certainly predates the Silver Age. But the idea that in comics there was a multiverse was really a genius idea that DC not only used to try and rectify a lot of continuity issues with the Golden Age characters when they brought in new versions of Green Lantern and the Flash and, and so forth, but also to, to really 
broaden the mythology of DC Comics so that you could then have these older characters and these different characters meet up. And so the DC universe was not just one universe. It was a DC multiverse. And I remember just thinking as a kid and, and even later as time went on and read more of his comics, I remember thinking, this is amazing. And and so fell in love with that. But of all these characters, the one that, that really, I, I, probably because of Superman the movie and the, the reruns we would watch for frequently of Super Friends and the constant merchandising, of course, Superpowers, the toy line, uh, as well as the old Remco Superman. Some of you may remember the, the Remco Superman with the, the kryptonite boulder glowed in the dark, and he I think he could fly along a string. He was, was like a 12-inch figure. It was huge. We had that, uh, had the Superpowers figures, and the Superman was always there in my life. I remember him from a very early age in much the same way Star Trek and Star Wars was the same and Marvel as well, but but there was this greater, uh, I guess, amount of of Superman and Batman. Um, you, you know the old com- costumes of the day. Um, we, I actually have a. I think I was five and I went as Batman, and my brother. Um, I must have been younger because he was still trick or treating. So geez, I might have been like four, <laughs> and he was he was eleven or so. And he was Dracula and I was Batman. First team up before it ever happened in the comics. I might add, um, but those. The, you know the costumes and and uh, you could not go into a place where you wouldn't see as i would learn in years later the beautiful artwork of jose luis garcia lopez um and and that marketing was was genius right it was everywhere and of course that would ramp up in the 80s and then when we got to 1988ish and i'll get to that in a moment we things just exponentially grew from there um when it came to dc my awareness but also i think the the culture as a whole. So I grew up reading his comics, and when I say reading, reading through them, but not having a huge understanding of continuity of any real one character, but knowing bits and pieces here, sticking with the films when it came to Superman. Not I, I, We watched uh, Batman the, the 1966 show and and uh, our 1960 show and I, I remember thinking um, as a kid it was real in the sense that it was play, being played straightforward and years later as I got older I thought well I see now it's a parody and so it, it doesn't hold for me the same meaning I know it does for, for other people certainly some older than me have uh, probably fonder memories but those were you know, Superman those Christopher Reeve films we watched I can't tell you how many times probably almost as much as we watch it rewatched the star wars trilogy once it was all on video um and uh star trek the the original series films as well as the original series which was uh on in syndication or not syndication but reruns and so that was something i was aware of and then uh, i continued to grow my interest in of course other properties of the 80s he-man and the masters of the universe transformers gi joe um you name it the 80s were a wonderful time. I'm sure not for everybody in this way, but my parents were not that they didn't they they weren't uh, responsible but th- th- remember back then those of you that know there was not a huge demarcation between what was R rated versus PG and, and PG 13 wasn't always there either so sometimes you'd be allowed to watch a movie that probably today you would not allow your kids to watch like RoboCop or Aliens you know and I was and uh, and so that was I loved science fiction early on and and um, and so all of that richness of that era was really a huge presence in my early life and then 
Um, now, again, to show my age, right, There, this is a time there is no internet. And this is a time when the only means really of learning anything are the following. Television, uh, radio, which we still regularly listen to, newspapers, magazines, which came out frequently and were something you look forward to and were really sometimes the only source of information that you had other than newspapers and the television news, and uh, which were affordable. And you would also have the occasional um, maybe interview that you saw, uh, if not on the news, you saw it on some kind of entertainment show or you saw a late night show and they showed a clip of something or as would would be the case later you'd hear about at the local comic book shop and so in that that world um i started getting very interested in uh comics that my brother had i'd reread those and wasn't yet buying my own but then my i can remember it was either my uncle or maybe my parents who gave me a newspaper clipping okay so understand again this time we're talking about gave me a newspaper clipping and I, and I remember reading it and being so excited it was going there was going to be a new Batman movie it was a, kind of the same way I had learned there was going to be a new Star Trek about two years earlier a newspaper clipping somebody gave me and said I know you like Star Trek there's going to be a new show and that's how I learned about the next generation and and I remember reading that thing and I wish I had saved it but just being fascinated by there's going to be a new Batman and it, and it was of course very clear in this article that it was going to be different than the 60s show and and Michael Keaton was going to be in it. I think it was settled at this time. And, and I didn't know about that controversy quite yet. Um, Jack Nicholson was going to be in it. I knew who he was. Probably not from The Shining. I don't think I watched that as a kid. Um, but I knew him from other films my parents watched. And I, and I knew him uh, in the way that you know certain actors or, or figures that are just uh, they're part of the, of the consciousness, the zeitgeist. And so... I was thrilled. I mean, this was the biggest thing because I was about 12 uh, when when word broke. And so um, inspired by that, I decided I want to start reading comics regularly and I, I want to start with Batman. And so I never knew anything about comic book stores, but uh, my mom knew there were some in the city where I live now, Lafayette. And so we would drive once a week and um, this would have been probably my, yeah, this would have been my eighth grade year. Uh, and we went up there, 7th, 8th grade year, and started to get comics. And back then also, comic books were very affordable. And uh, my my grandfather, my mom's dad, had passed away in 1986. And that left her mother, my grandmother, alone on the weekends. So I had begun spending the weekends there, and I would help her with chores and, and uh, you know, stay with her and, and, you know, make sure she was okay. And, and if she needed anything, though I couldn't drive, I, I was there to help her out. So she gave me a very generous allowance, and that enabled me to buy tons of comic books. Because when they were seventy-five cents to a dollar, dollar twenty-five, uh, you know, towards kind of like the early nineties, you if if you didn't weren't really interested in anything else, you could you could rack up. And I was not really interested in a whole lot else other than movies. And I occasionally would collect action figures here and there, but but that was still pretty early there for me. Um, I was out of playing with a lot of my stuff that I still had, but I was really more into reading comic books and films. And and so that is when I got into comics and I bought anything I could find 
about Batman, any any of the books, graphic novels, and started reading them. So my introduction to Batman really was, this is still about, you know, almost a full year before Batman 1989 hits. And so I'm reading, and a lot of this I don't know, and I'm learning the new continuity. I'm learning there is a new continuity, hearing the term Crisis on Infinite Earths. I'm buying magazines like Comic Scene, Comics Buyer Monthly, uh, Previews, all of these uh, news sources that you didn't have on internet to get. So the magazines were it. And I'm learning about many different things. And um, and it was just a wonderful time of, of new, it was a new world. Uh, and so I was learning about all of this and learned, oh, the, the multiverse is gone. And, and But I'm reading about Batman and I'm really intrigued by Batman and, and really can't wait to see this film. I was also, uh, like I said, 12, 13 years old and was in that angsty Kind of kind of time that that some some of us go through. I don't want to get into why personally that was happening, but um, it, you know part of that's just being an adolescent. But a lot of it had to do with stuff going on in my family life at the time and personal life, and and so I was really drawn for a while to those angsty characters, those darker characters. So as I got into Batman, who in in hindsight. Uh, and in many years later, and, and Batman will occasionally be brought up uh, in this podcast. Um, I realized, you know, Batman. He's dark, but he's not he's not dark on the same level or even in the same way as some of these other characters. So then I started picking up Marvel. And again, I knew those characters from my brother's comics and animated series, etc. But I started buying the X-Men pretty heavily and loved Wolverine. Thought Wolverine was so cool. Uh, then, of course, we got the wonderful, I think, different generations will have different opinions, the wonderful... Uh, Howard Mackey Ghost Rider and I fell in love with that character that version the Dan Ketch Ghost Rider and then I got into Frank Castle and the Punisher because I probably read those old reprints of the original miniseries in the magazine format they were black and white and they were just so exciting it was like an action movie which I was allowed to watch I'd watch Rambo and some other ones there American Ninja and Enter the Ninja and so all of that just really fascinated me and then um, of course not much longer after that we would I would get into characters uh, like Spawn and um, and the darker supernatural characters. I also had an interest in horror uh, from Edgar Allan Poe and Dracula. Loved the novel Dracula and loved horror and gothic stuff. And um, but wasn't into stuff slashers or anything like that at the time. More an old school horror kid because we had the Remco glow in the dark uh, or the mini figures. Remember the three and three quarter inch Remco figures of the Universal Monsters. And and so that kind of stuff I was more interested in. Um, but when I got into this kind of pre-Batman phase, I was reading Marvel, was really loved X-Factor by Louise Simonson and and uh, got a Spider-Man here and there. Didn't really jump in that much into Spider-Man just yet. Um but I was not only reading those from the comic shop, but then we had our video store. One of the video stores where I grew up had an entire wall, of, like not not just a rack, but a wall that had been devoted. And I, to this day, think it's amazing. It was such a wonderful thing because even in the big city that where we'd go to those other comic shops, they never had this or other other video stores, an entire wall dedicated to magazines and uh, 
comic books. And and I am talking about representation from both companies. Strong. Almost every title published at the time was on that newsstand, right? And that and uh, so what I could see at the comic shop, I could also see there. And occasionally, they even had back issues uh, at at this video store. So it was it was just a wonderful, rich time uh, that that I look back on with great fondness. Uh, just there was so much entertainment and, and it was such of such quality that you really never ran out. Uh, and that's not even again, talking about movies and, and video games and things of that nature. So, um, I got into those darker characters and that this is all relevant to Superman. We're getting there. So, um, I, I knew Superman again from Christopher Reeve, those films. I hadn't really followed other than that. And I, I think the most recent Superman thing, and I say recent being in 88, that I had watched um, was on Saturday mornings when I was sleeping over at my grandmother's house. Um, we would watch the Ruby Spears Superman. And I loved that because it was kind of like... You know, the Superman, it had the Superman theme from the films, and and uh, it, I just thought, man, this is great. And I also loved the Smallville stuff, which I didn't know about him having powers as a kid. And so I was like, oh, this is this is fun. And and then um, got into that darker stuff right, right, right after that or right around that time. And when I started going into other titles. So the Flash 1990s TV show came out, which I am still a huge fan of. To me, far better than anything CW has ever done or will ever do, probably. Uh, in fact, I'm looking at a bookcase right in front of me, and I have my VHS copy of the pilot uh, to The Flash. I still have it in in uh, decent condition. I watched the heck out of that. Plus, I had the whole first season on VHS. It's probably long gone. But um, I loved that show, and um, that, of course, was after Batman. When Batman came out, I got even more into comics, um, going now more than just... We would go once or twice a month at the time, and the movie came out, and I was going every week. Uh, when I could, I couldn't, I wasn't driving just yet, but, um, I started to really see, and the wonderful thing about DC in the t- at the time was the crossover, uh, which Marvel did too. And so you would get to know a new character or a different character through their appearances in the books you were reading. And Batman, um, I was so heavily into Batman after seeing that movie, which was for me a lot like Star Wars was for older kids. It, it was just being 12, uh, when that came out or actually 13 and, and just, that experience with the hype and everything, I really liken it to what Star Wars was for kids who were who were teenagers when that hit, and that got me heavily into Batman, um, even more so. And then I started reading from other corners of the DC universe, and Superman was appearing in Batman here or there. Of course, in '88, I was reading this late, but I read the uh, A Death in the Family story, and Superman not not really positively portrayed there. And so I was kind of like, oh, he's kind of a jerk coming here to tell Bruce this after he's lost, you know, Jason and all that. So I didn't have the best. I didn't really know the character post Crisis, and the only ideas I really had about him were the, the Christopher Reeve films, which had not really received any sequels you know and so uh we had those four films but and the, and then the ruby spear series but these other characters were the thing they were it they were of the time and so i didn't really know anything about the superman books then 
came the Flash TV show, which I loved and adored, as I mentioned. And so then I started getting that, and I fell in love with Wally West and went and got all of the 1987 launching series and read all of that back up to that time, the, the back issues, which today would not be cheap, but back then it was. And um, and so really came to love the Flash. That, you know, Bar- uh, Wally is always my Flash. And in those stories, Superman was appearing. There's uh, an issue where he races um, with Wally and... Um, and uh, not knowing at the time the history of that whole thing, but I was starting to really like him a little bit more and, and wondering what's going on in that corner. And the thing about Batman, Superman at the time was when I picked up a, an issue here and there, I, I would read it, but I felt like, oh, I, I don't know what's going on. I can remember picking up the Brainiac trilogy which were those three issues, I think, of action with George Perez, Perez, God rest his soul, uh, on art and maybe even writing, I don't remember, and thinking those covers were amazing. He's fighting like Terminator-looking robots. and But not knowing, like, okay, the continuity and a lot of the references, because that time was so wonderfully orchestrated when it came to continuity that it was hard to really know unless you had been reading for a while. So... Time went on, and then uh, again, you know, through comic scene and through all these other sources, my comic book shop, I we began to trickle out as it did the news of the death of Superman. And I, at that time, again, was so heavily into the dark stuff and these, uh, you know, by now Spawn and some of the image stuff, uh, and and really not that I didn't like Superman, but he just really wasn't part of that my focus. Uh, and I thought, I remember thinking. It makes sense that they're going to kill. Like, I believed 100%. You know, I was not seasoned enough as a reader, knowing the comic book, uh, comic books in general to understand or, or even think this. But I thought this was real, you know. And DC did a genius thing in the way they, they really opened us all up, especially once it caught on. The news caught on and exploded in 1992. And I thought they're going to really kill him because he's not as popular as Spawn or he's not as popular as Batman. And, and it makes sense to me. And I was not not really I didn't have a connection yet so I wasn't sad but I was bummed in one way because I thought well you know I did like I like the character I just I don't really he's not the cool guy right now and I'm not reading his stuff and um, when more about that came out um, it, it blew up as I said before I knew it people that I knew in my family were recording uh, news um uh, articles or my parents would call me to run into the room and it was on the news they were talking about the death of superman and this is coming out and the issue and all this and and I was hearing more about it and reading more about it and and um before I and I didn't have them in my pull list those titles so uh I it was too late to order superman 75 and to order the issues leading up to it so christmas um of 1992, Superman is now dead by about a month. All the titles canceled. I knew this, but I hadn't read them because I didn't get them. And my comic shop owner, and I went to a number of shops actually, but but the one I went to most, Miss Teresa, who I still uh, go to her store 32 plus years later. And um, and she said, you know, it, we, we're out and we're waiting on the second printings and we don't have any. And I was devastated because I wanted to read and, and I, I wanted you know, there were articles about it here and there. Saturday Night Live did the funeral sketch and it was being talked about on the news and people were talking about it adults and in the newspaper and I thought okay I got to read this well my mother didn't tell me um, because it was of course a surprise for Christmas Christmas Day I got uh, you know one of these old dress shirt boxes open it up and it's the six issues of the death of Superman first prints and 
the Death of Superman trade paperback, and I was floored. And so once we finished opening all the presents and had dessert and all that, I went in my room, I closed that door, and I read the whole six issues. And then I read the whole story again right after in the trade and just sat there really stunned by what I had read. Um, and and I know a lot of older fans look on that storyline, maybe are not a fan of the death part. You know, a lot of people bash it these days. But for me as a kid who didn't really know a whole lot about Superman in the comics continuity at the time, only having this vague idea of Superman, the, the sacrifice and the nobility of the character and the fact that that he was being beaten to death but that that didn't matter to him everybody else's safety really touched me in a way that i i don't know that any other character even batman at the time had had hit me and um was really moved by that and that ending you know he dies in lois's arms and i again thought and this this was a big part of it as well because i was naive at the time and didn't know i thought this is it you know superman is dead and i really felt this sense of regret that i wish i had been reading and i and i wish i had given the character a chance um, so, of course, I went back and grabbed any any back issues I could prior to the death and tried to begin to understand the continuity of the time and, and try to understand who the character was. And in doing that, really cemented my love for Superman as, as I knew the character up to the death. And then I told my comic shop owner, I said, please add all the Superman books. And that allowed me, because if you, those of you that recall, and, and another reason I'm bringing the podcast back is because now we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman, which is astonishing that it's 30 years already. Um, and what what they did also a genius move on DC's part were canceling the titles right they won't be published i think it was 3 months which really was especially for somebody like me which i think most people were at the time naive they didn't realize this would, there was no way DC comics was ever going to do this permanently but it all seemed to kind of make sense with the trends at the time and and uh and and batman being so popular and superman hadn't really had any media since you know superman 4 and uh uh, so it, and they weren't making any new movies, so it just kind of all felt like this is really going to be the case that that this is it. So I remember asking my comic shop owner, "Can I get these books added if there's going to be any more?" And she told me, she said, "Well, they've canceled them, but I'll put them on because we don't know we don't know what's going to happen if there's going to be a replacement, if there's going to be a new Superman, if he's going to come back." And and I thought, "No, that's not going to happen." Like I was convinced that he was dead. Um, so she added them, and then, of course, in, in, the, in all the magazines of the Times and then eventually in previews, we learned Superman was not coming back, but some more books, the books were going to return. And, um, and I was there. I was hooked. And I can remember getting those as they came out every week. And by this time, I'm just now old enough to drive. So every week, that's what got me through a lot of rough weeks at school and at home. I'm going to get there to the comic shop. You know, comic book day back then, I think, was Friday. I don't know if that's when they were released or if just that's when I got around to getting there. I'd get in my car, my grandmother's car, and I would drive to Lafayette. Other kids were going to get ready for the football game or whatever. I was like, I don't care. And I'm going straight to the comic shop, getting those comics. And I would sit in my car, and I would read them. 
Um, and it was always Superman at the top of the list. And then under that was Batman because Batman I loved and was still reading and still loved the character, but now Superman was also part of that. Um, and so this was a time of must-read. These were must-read comics. So I would sit there and I would read, and I ha- I couldn't wait till I got home. I had to see what was the next thing that was happening. And so I'd read the issue before I left. I'd drive all the way back home, read it again usually. Um, and that story, The Return... Uh, you know, funeral for a friend was moving, and the, and the feelings that I had felt were there in the characters. I thought that was genius, and it today is still genius. Um, and 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 there was a lot of commentary that became clear to me as I got older, uh, in in really not that much older, like a year or so after. Oh, you know, this is really a story, not a gimmick, and it did become a marketing opportunity, but that was never what they expected. It became a wonderful opportunity to comment on the importance of the character of Superman. Even if there were people, and I know there are even today, who hated that version, who did not like the post-crisis version. Um, And I can understand because I've seen this version that I fell in love with uh, be pulled away as well in recent years. So I understand that feeling. But even if you didn't care for that version, it was Superman being at least in, in one general context shown as more valuable and more heroic than any other so-called hero that was popular at the time, except for Batman. And so Spawn was killing his enemies, and the Punisher, that's all he did, right? And and Ghost Rider and Wolverine. And I love those characters. They serve a different function, but Superman was the paragon. And he, he was not only as this hero who does the right thing and puts himself first, even at his own death, but the adventure and the science fiction, the optimism, the, the wonder of that whole mythology was something you found in no other book. And uh, so I fell in love with the character and his world. And, um, and that whole wonderful story, I would reread every year and continue 30 years later. I'm rereading it every year in some way, whether I'm rereading just the death or I'm re- rereading the whole thing. I'm rereading in the form of the omnibus that I have, or I'm reading the Roger Stern novel, The Life and Death, the death and Life of Superman, which I highly recommend if you don't have it. Um, those, those, that story and those comments have always been a source of, of comfort for me. I return to those often um, because that story is, to me, Superman. Whether or not there were some stylistic, thematic uh, changes to the character, really, I can you can put that aside, I think, and say, this is what he is about. This is, this is who he is. You know, in recent years, and I'm going to talk at length about this in future episodes, but in recent years, Superman has been portrayed, and I think uh, even by the general public, understood to be this brawler, this this character who we, can, we can't wait to see what Superman's going to do. Who's he going to punch? Is he going to fight Doomsday? Is he going to, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's even got to fight Batman, which makes very little sense, <laughs> both on a character perspective and just from the logic of who these characters are and what they can and can't do. Um, and instead of realizing that Superman is a savior. And I don't mean that in a religious sense. I mean the actual meaning of the word. He is a man, a person who saves others. That is the that is going all the way back to what the character was intended 
to be when he was created in 38 by two, two young men who saw a world that was out of their control around them, including for Jerry Siegel, right? Seeing his, knowing his father had died uh, in a violent crime and wishing he had the power to save. And so that's what this character became. You look at the Golden Age Superman, he's saving right? He's not fighting supervillains and, and he's saving the common man. He's saving a lot of people. And I know a lot has been made of the, of the social crusader. I don't, I don't, I think that's kind of a revisionist focus. It's there, but I think it's been played up more than other aspects. I think we can go more basic to that and say that the character was created to be not, not even just wish fulfillment, but Superman was created to be this character that we can, we can see ourselves if we had that power to make a difference, to save those that need it and to be the best that we can be. And that is what the character represents for me, among many other things that I will talk about uh, throughout the course of this of this podcast, not this episode, but but the show. So um, after that, I, I remained a Superman fan and have only grown. I've read Silver Age and Golden Age and and everything in between and, and um, don't give my money to DC Comics these days, uh, but I keep up with what's going on there. And, and did I returned uh, in Rebirth, which was a wonderful two years. Wish it was still going on, but it was only two years. Um, and, you know, the Jonathan Kent as a 10-year-old Superboy was wonderful. There was so much great stuff going on. And, and uh, you know, we'll touch on this in future episodes as well. But that's where my love of the character comes from. And I, and I certainly know much more now than I did even in 92. Uh, I've read a great deal about the character, researched, and uh, have read a lot, many more comics. And so um, I will be talking about all of that and and this to just at, at the end of this first episode zero to to maybe make it very clear not maybe to make it very clear for you the listener i am not interested in any kind of deconstruction of the character or any kind of dark alternate version of the character i will talk about elseworlds in in this this show there will be episodes where i'll talk about that or a guest will come on we'll talk about it but my goal is to talk about the iconic superman and that is a very clear character and i will get into that in a future episode what how do we know what the, what is the iconic Superman versus the this current version that we've had in the movies since 2013? Which, by the way, here's a, here's a secret: it's not really Superman. Uh, and we've had in the comics here off and on since 2011, also not Superman. So, what what's that distinction? What's that difference? That is what we will talk about. We will explore and we will celebrate on Superman Lives. By the way, uh, one more thing before I go: this show did not get its name from the aborted film written by Kevin Smith. Uh, I, I like Superman Lives as a statement of truth that um, that no matter what happens to the character, this, this character will always be here. He will always represent the best in humanity. He will always stand for those things. And um, no matter the changes that we see going on, that pure distillation is there. We just sometimes have to remind people who he is and what he is. Uh, but that he, he, it's, this is a statement. It's not just a crafty title or referring to him living again after dying. 
Superman lives. And that's what this uh, podcast will illustrate and celebrate. So thanks so much for joining me for this episode zero. The frequency I'm trying uh, to plan once a week will be the the frequency of this program and just a number of topics uh, that will come up related to what I discussed here. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, Be sure in the show notes, you will find a link to the Facebook page. If you want to follow me there. Also, if you are interested, uh, you can see the email for Superman Lives podcast at gmail.com. You can you can drop me a line there. Uh, probably the, the Facebook page will be the, the way easiest way to get in touch with me. So thanks again for listening. Stay safe and stay super. To stop the evil doomsday, you need a hero who's more than a man. Superman. He's been called the greatest, the strongest, the first among heroes. High-voltage villain Conduit is powered by Kryptonite, but with Krypton cannon blasting, Laser Superman powers him down. Conduit will learn, don't mess with the S. It's the dreaded Doomsday, the most fearsome force in the universe. Even Doomsday will learn, you don't mess with the S. Superman figures each sold separately, blocks not included.